bowling with your head. Bowlers do not take half the trouble that batsmen do. Just fancy a first-class batsman not having good bats. Still, a bowler, because he does not own the ball, takes little interest in it. But if he had matriculated on the hard, fast grounds of Australia, it might have been otherwise. On hard, fast grounds, if the ball is not a good one and not resilient, it will soon get soft, and no matter how well one bowls, the result will be disappointing, although it is not generally known. Wisdom's special crown balls were made to my instructions at my special request in 1890 and have been have been kept to the same ever since. I shall always remember Wisdom's old ball maker being called up to take my instructions. He simply looked at me and said, I have made cricket balls for 40 years. I told him that it did not matter and was proceeding with my instructions when he stopped and looked at me and said, it's nearly 50. And turning to the manager said, they will cost twos, 60 and a dozen. Two, okay, they will cost two shillings, six. They will cost two, Two shillings, sixty, uh, a dozen more to make. But he made the balls six. And I have always given the old man credit for making them as he did. Generally speaking, bowlers do not think enough. For instance, when a batsman comes in, batsmen are most particularly requested not to read this part of my article. The first thing to do is to find out whether he is a defensive or an aggressive player. And this helps one greatly in placing the field. One should study what are his favourite scoring strokes and be most particular to watch during the first overs how he stands, whether you see a batsman face you like the late Arthur Shrewsbury, Ranjit Sinji, W.C. Grace or C.B. Fry, Victor Trumper, Clem Hill or Monty Noble. There is sure to be a great difficulty in deceiving them in flight. If he stands like this, however, it is a case of variation of pace. The reason is that at the bridge of his nose intercepts the sight of the right eye and he is really looking at the ball only with one eye, which means that the ball during its flight seems nearer to him than it is and only gets into the proper focus at a point well on its journey. When I first found this out. I was so interested that I made a study of how batsmen stood, and no sooner did I see a batsman looking at me with one eye than I was delighted at this discovery. I call him a one-eyed cricketer, but not until a few days back did I ever mention the reason. When you hear a batsman talking about a ball pitching on the blind spot, you can almost make it certain of the cause. Many cricketers have written on batting and said you must face the bowler, but no one has ever stated the reason why, and as I am writing on bowling, I hope they never will. One thing is certain, that at the point where the ball comes into focus to both eyes, it appears the one-eyed batsman to have altered its course a little, or he knows something he hasn't, or something has happened, and immediately calls it swerve. To all this class of batsmen, a bowler ought to bowl from different angles. For example, as wide as the bowling crease will allow you, and as near the wicket as you can. But bowling from the end 
of the crease. In the beginning, you encourage the batsman to stand in the wrong position and are more likely to deceive him when you alter to quite close to the stumps. If he does not alter his position, you will have every chance of success. There is more, there is more in this theory than many of many my readers will imagine. But if they if they will place any object or any ledge on any ledge, and then with one eye shut, walk up and try to hit the object, they will find they are invariably short. This is why cutting is so dangerous. The sight changes from one eye to the other and from one from both to one. Bowlers should be very careful about selecting their length of run-up. In fact, when about the age of 13, 14, it should be selected for them. It should be selected for them. If apparently the youngster is going to be a fast bowler, he should have a long one. And for an and for an example, Lockwood's is, I think, one of the finest runs for a fast bowler, and if he had a little less knee action, would be near perfection. A slow and slow medium wants a shorter one, say five to eight yards. The placing of the field is more important, is a, is a most important point to a bowler. The best way is to bowl in your natural manner and place your, your men where you are likely to be hit. This is far more, this is far better than placing your field and then trying to bowl for them. It is worthwhile to place your men according to the batsman's style of play. Do not go any on any stereotyped formula. This represents a ball being bowled with a, all the pace of which I am capable. Most often I use it with the object of yorking the batsman. Here is the finish of delivery of a ball bowled with plenty of topspin so as not to deviate from a straight course but simply to make haste off the pitch. The dotted curve shows the course of the arm in the following or the follow through after delivery. This shows the finish of swing for the off break. Note the position of the right hand at the finish. It has come around towards the left side, thus cutting under the ball. The dotted curve shows the difference of the follow through after delivery compared with the previous image. This is the finish of delivery of a fastball, swinging out from the leg side. Now a fastball, now a fastball bowled close to the wicket with the arm as far as possible over the wicket towards the leg side. The right leg is follow through, following through, or following well through. I'll repeat that. Now a fastball bowled close to the wicket with the arm as far as possible over the wicket towards the leg side. The right leg is following well through. A ball bowled at the extreme end of the crease as far away from the wicket as possible, but it will pitch about the same place in the previous image. The angle at which it approaches the batsman is, however, quite different. By this variation in delivery, the batsman is likely to be deceived. This is the finish of a straight ball with running or top spin on it the axis of which would be about at right angles to the direct direction, C plate E. This is the finish of a leg break bowled over the wicket. 
If it were an off-break, the right palm would be turned upwards at this point in the action. In this case, when the ball leaves the hand, the arm is further back, the ball moving upwards slightly and the arm downwards give the appearance of a high tossed slow. But actually the bowl was a fast one as is suggested by the expression of effort on my face. Here's another fast one, bowled around the wicket. And finally a rather slow leg break ball. General points. Learn to bowl with a high action, but not so high as to receive no help from the back of your shoulders. Number two, try to master one break before you experiment on others. Study each spin separately and try and find out the exact direction of the spin. If you spin a ball with no result in break, you are not doing it properly and most and must in fact at once endeavor to fight find out what is wrong and learn to obtain more purchase on the ball. Number three, if in practice you feel tired or lose interest in your bowling, retire for a time. Four, always attack the batsman. Bear in mind that batsmen are sometimes nervous creatures whose first object is to score one run and then ten. And it is during this period you have your chance. Go at him for all you are worth and don't let him get the pace of the wicket by bowling fast and outside the stumps. By bowling at the wicket, you keep the early chances in your favour. Five, if a batsman confides in you that he does not expect to make runs, encourage his idea. If you can make him believe he is in for a duck, he will probably get it. Six, mind you have in your cricket bag everything you are likely to want. Many bowlers lose their spikes and have none to replace them. This may lose a wicket and a match. Seven, never give a match up. Recollect, it only takes one ball to get a man out and there is such a thing as a hat trick. Eight, when meeting with bad luck, as when catches are missed off you, don't let it worry you. Simply start again and try and forget it. Nine, pay particular attention to how batsmen take up their position at the wicket. And if you find they are one-eyed, vary if possible vary if possible both pace and point of delivery and always try and remember how you get the various batsmen out. Thank you. Spotheth on bowling.